Welcome to the Health Pulse podcast. I'm Dr. Connor Delaney, CEO and President of Cleveland Clinic Florida. In an incredibly critical time in medicine, our primary focus is the health and well-being of our patients. Cleveland Clinic remains vigilant in avoiding any serious safety events, and we constantly strive to improve patient quality and safety. There can never be shortcuts in patient safety issues. As a healthcare organization, therefore, we constantly try to identify the risks and anticipate the issues and develop plans to protect caregivers so we can ultimately protect the patient. With that, my special guest for today is Dr. Madhu Sasadar. Dr. Sasadar was born and raised in India, where he also attended medical school. His residency was at St. Luke's Roosevelt Hospital Center in New York City. This is a 150-year-old hospital, part of Columbia University on the Upper West Side of New York City. Madhu then did a fellowship at Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut, and he received his Executive Master of Business Administration at INSEAD in Fontainebleau in France. Madhu has joined us from Cleveland Clinic Abu Dhabi, and he was there in the role of Chief Medical Officer and had responsibility for oversight of all inpatient, outpatient, and surgical operations. While he was there, he and the team grew volume by 12 to 15% annually, and Madhu also led the COVID task force for the hospital and also assisted with the national response to the pandemic for the United Arab Emirates. Madhu and his quality team uh, reached and even exceeded scorecard metrics from quality and patient experience groups. He and his team achieved JCO recertification without a single clinical problematic finding, which is an impressive record. And prior to that, he was section head for respiratory care at Main Campus in Ohio. And there he oversaw regional integration of services for both Main Campus and all of the regional hospitals in Northeast Ohio with the goal of standardizing care, improving outcomes, and improving caregiver engagement, thereby substantially reducing the cost for hospitalized patients. So that's proving the value equation, right? Improving quality and being able to do it more efficiently. So with that, Madhu, thank you again for joining us today. I'm really excited about the conversation we're going to have. Thank you, Connor. Thank you for having me. So Madhu, first I'd, I'd like to start by welcoming you to our Cleveland Clinic Florida team and specifically to Tradition Hospital. Please tell me a little bit and, and bring to life more for, for viewers and listeners about your experience and background. Thank you for the invitation to speak with you. There are so many incredible things that are happening with Cleveland Clinic Florida, and it's a privilege to be part of this team. As you mentioned in your introduction, I trained as a pulmonologist and intensivist. I started my professional journey with a for-profit health system in a rural hospital uh, where I helped to build a multi-specialty practice. I learned a lot during that time, especially with recruitment and retention of key talent in a smaller community-based setting. I've been with the Cleveland Clinic for 15 years as a clinician and helped to establish uh, an enterprise respiratory care program for which I served as medical director. Setting up an integrated program across the enterprise uh, was an important lesson in managing change and creating consensus among diverse groups. There is tremendous power in healthcare systems 
that are able to integrate its clinical programs. At that time, we achieved standardization of our ventilator platforms, as well as clinical protocols with improvements in efficiency and better care for our patients. Eventually, an integrated respiratory care program with uniform practices at all hospitals also provided us with flexibility and scale during the COVID crisis. The three years at Cleveland Clinic Abu Dhabi have been the most impactful of my, in my career. Leading change in a multicultural environment is complex and requires skills that I needed to learn. We were also the first hospital to take care of COVID patients and leading a team during disruptive and uncertain times required trust, consistency, and skills at communication. I would say that while my professional experience has been diverse, if you've seen one hospital, you've seen exactly one hospital. Each environment is different, requires new perspective, humility, and a willingness to learn. Uh, Matt, you've had a, a, an incredible journey. And, you know, when I think about it, one of the other special things about the journey, I think, is important always as we develop leaders. You've had a very broad experience uh, and you've been exposed to a lot of different environments. And I think that always helps us when we when we have the honor of ascending to leadership positions. So certainly I'm absolutely delighted to have you on the team. So let's kind of jump right into our topic for today, as it's critical during this complicated time in medicine. So, Madhu, what is zero harm and how does that impact patient and workplace safety? Zero harm is about how we manage risk in an environment that is inherently hazardous. For an industry that is predicated on above all do no harm, we cause so much unnecessary harm to our patients. Zero harm is a shift from incremental improvements in quality and outcomes to a commitment to cause no harm. These organizations are characterized by a leadership commitment to zero harm, a culture of safety in which all employees speak up to prevent harm, as well as deployment of highly effective process improvement methods. However, zero harm is not just about patients. It also means no harm to employees and visitors and zero lost opportunities to provide exemplary care. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, medicine, though, is it's there's a lot of analogies to the, the airline industry, but we've also a lot of variability that they don't necessarily have. So it becomes very complicated for us because every patient is different, whereas most flights are pretty similar. Um, different shapes, sizes, people, diagnosis, presentations. Um, and so there's a lot of variability just by the nature of what we do in healthcare. So with that, how do we at Cleveland Clinic drive the culture of zero harm? You're right, Connor. While protocols and technology are extremely important, this is really a cultural transformation so that zero harm is a natural byproduct of the way we care for patients every single day. We have embraced the high reliability care framework to achieve the goal of zero harm. We implement that through several initiatives, especially our tiered huddles. We're also continuously evolving our leadership rounding where we meet with caregivers and patients across all services to identify opportunities to improve care and reduce harm. We place safety at the center of all of our activities. 
We start many of our meetings by actively soliciting ideas to improve care, both for patients as well as to provide for caregiver safety. There are times when we have used events to focus the attention on a particular opportunity, such as the Stand Up for Safety, where all caregivers across the organization pause for a moment to focus on the importance of using checklists prior to procedures. It takes time and effort and presence and, and a lot of different tactics being implemented at the same time um, to drive and change culture and keep it top of mind. So one of those is the Speak Up initiative. So maybe you tell us a little bit about the Speak Up initiative at Cleveland Clinic. So even reporting, including self-reported events are extremely important in identifying opportunities to improve. Fear of retaliation or punitive action is extremely harmful to creating a culture of safety and continuous learning. You know, there's a saying that human error is almost always a symptom, not a cause. Our Speak Up initiative encourages caregivers in all areas to report errors or near misses. We also empower our caregivers to intervene and stop a procedure if they have a concern. We actively promote our Speak Up initiative at our meetings and at our huddles. I also want to highlight the importance of a just culture and psychological safety. In order to allow our caregivers to freely report events, we train our managers on just culture. This is a structured framework that helps us to identify sources of error in an objective manner and to reduce the likelihood of placing inappropriate blame. Yeah, I think it's critical. Um, you want to provide, as you say, the psychological safety, but also the safety in knowing that they're going to be treated properly when things happen. And you know, sometimes it's process, sometimes it's system, sometimes it's education, and that those those complement each other and and allow us to do it fairly and properly. So, in an intense industry like healthcare, maybe tell our listeners a little bit more about a high reliability organization and what that actually entails. Yes. Uh, so high reliability describes organizations that operate in hazardous environments and yet maintain high levels of quality and safety over long periods of time and without any harmful events. In healthcare, high reliability means that care is consistently excellent and safe across all services and all settings. There are several very important aspects to implementing high reliability. First is a preoccupation with failure. And this is especially true of leaders and has become increasingly important during this stressful period with COVID. It's important that leaders always keep safety at the top of their list of priorities, especially when we deal with so many competing interests such as staffing, financial performance, and, and supply chain issues. We should also refrain from simplistic explanations for what are usually very complex problems. Leaders should be open to challenging widely held beliefs and should continuously reevaluate performance using data and metrics. Highly reliable organizations are also very sensitive to operations. We operate in complex environments and each patient is unique. We have to continuously review our operations because conditions change and new vulnerabilities emerge all the time. All caregivers have to participate in this heightened sensitivity to the potential for process failure. 
along with this attention to our processes, we also intentionally build resiliency into our organization. Even the best designs can fail and resilient systems make sure that this does not result in harm and allows for graceful recovery and continuation of safe patient care, even in the face of a failure. Leaders must also know where to find knowledge and expertise within their organizations. Top-down approaches often fail and are almost never sustainable. Durable change requires us to seek out those with the right knowledge. And often these individuals are at the bedside and not the ones with authority. Leaders have to balance their advocacy for change with inquiry and encourage everyone to have a voice. I need a lot of content in that answer, Madhu, and, and so much of it's so important. But one of the things I'd just like to highlight is what you said about you can't set and forget. Um, it's kind of like gardening. You have to maintain this and you have to keep on top of it and keep reminding and keep working. Yeah. So tell me, how does our team-oriented approach improve our safety measures uh, within the health system? Patient care at the Cleveland Clinic is based on a team model. This allows us to optimize our care delivery across the system rather than within narrow silos. The care model also fosters transparent communication, collaboration, and innovation. Along with speak up culture, our model allows us to hold each other accountable and also to support each other through education and dissemination of best practices across the healthcare system. When you think about high reliability, a team-based model has several natural advantages. Teams are more resilient. They have superior collective expertise and collaborative teams can identify operational risks that would be otherwise opaque. Absolutely. It's about a team and, and the point you made of team of teams is, is so critical. So you also mentioned earlier on um, as you were chatting about the huddles that we have. Um, and I think some people probably aren't really familiar with what a what a huddle is. Can you provide a little insight into the team huddle um, and talk maybe about how it encompasses listening, supporting, learning, and helps us create this culture of zero harm in a high reliability organization and, and the effort required? Our tiered team huddles are formal venues to hear about safety concerns. Each care area holds team huddles to discuss a plan for the day identify safety concerns, and to reinforce the principles of zero harm. Teams also huddle before each procedure using checklists to ensure safety and communication between all members involved in the procedure. Our tiered huddles allow us to have visibility to safety events across our enterprise. We start with open-ended questions to solicit ideas to improve safety and operations. We then discuss events from the previous day to identify opportunities to improve. The discussions are multidisciplinary and collaborative. Leaders encourage everyone to have a voice and use the principles of high reliability to reinforce a culture of zero harm. We also use this venue to cascade communication to the organization. When a safety issue or an opportunity for improvement is identified in one part of the organization, this information is cascaded in an actionable manner to the entire organization through our team huddles. 
Yeah, it's a very, very powerful tool. So thank you for the explanation. So, so for, listen, for our listeners then to recap, so creating a culture of zero harm and creating a high reliability healthcare organization takes time and requires thought and an organized process. The first step is the absolute commitment from leadership to ensure that we're going to live this culture for our patients and for our employees. Thank you, Madhu, for that leadership and for your dedication in improving the lives of our patients and for creating a space for engagement, learning, and support for our caregivers. Thank you, Connor. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And thank you all for joining us. And I'd remind you to tune in for our next Health Pulse podcast in the near future. 